the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Merry Christmas. Good afternoon. I'm Jim Stanley in studio with Brother Burke Harper and Dr. Alex McFarland. And this week we're talking about 12 indisputable truths uh, from God's Word. We've talked about you are loved, you are not alone, and today we're going to talk about you are known. God understands and enjoys every little detail about you. He delights in you as you are, and that's, of course, as a believer. So, guys, as we start thinking about this, by the way, uh, our reference this week uh, for as we go through these 12 indisputable truths is uh, from the Bible, uh, the Hope and Encouragement Bible that was provided to us from Tendo House. You know, our friends at Tendo House, they have uh, enabled us to give away hundreds of Bibles. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we don't take that for granted. So we're grateful for this. And I don't want to be very clear. Now, this the Bible is the Bible in and of its own. But this Bible, you know how you have the David Jeremiah Study Bible, you have the Archaeological Study Bible, you have Bibles that highlight different studies for different things. Well, this Bible highlights the 12 indisputable truths. Mm. And so it's not rewriting the Scripture. Scripture's there from Genesis through Revelation, just like I talked about, you know, the other day. So it is a complete Bible. I want to be, want to be clear about that. But it do it do have it does have I'm having a tough time to get t- today. It may be time for the afternoon coffee. Anyway, uh, it does have some really neat features in it. It has over 250 uh, inspirational little sayings throughout the Bible. Now, obviously, that seems redundant because the Bible, in and of itself, you know, is reassuring. But right? some of them are more inspirational mm. than others. That's right. We, we call them helps. That's right. The study notes and things. And so um, in this instance, today we're going to talk about you are known. And the scripture verse I pulled up, we talked about just before the program, is from 1 Corinthians thirteen twelve. It says, now we, and by the way, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, now we see things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Mm. We are known. God knows us intimately. God knows us. He, he knows the very depths of our heart. He knows the depths of our mind. He knows our depravity. He knows our our positivities. He knows us completely. And because of his great love, he didn't leave us there, did he, guys? He did Mm -hmm. not. You know, there's a difference in knowing about and knowing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've I've thought about, about this a lot. People can know about someone, and then they get to know them. What what you do best with Christ, <laughs> you get to know you you know Him, and then as you walk with Him, uh, you get to know Him. But the best part of that is that He knows who I am. And there's this song, and one of the first times I ever heard it sung was a little boy from Uganda. Ugandan Thunder is a group of kids that mm-hmm. have have 
come mm. to America and they've toured and uh, the churches that I've pastored, I've tried to get them in every one. But the first time they came and I heard this song was sung by a nine-year-old little boy from Uganda, and it was He Knows My Name. Mm-hmm. Uh, knowing someone's name is so important. Uh, if we were in a crowd and I said, hey, you, anybody could not turn around or everybody could turn around. But if I say, hey, Jim Stanley, one person, right. I know, I know, I know his, I know him, I know his name. We, God knows our name. Mm-hmm. Uh, he knows, what's that? He knows that we're but dust. He, he knows yeah. our frame. Mm-hmm. He knows everything about us. And the good thing about this, knowing us, <laughs> Jim, you already referred to it. He still loves us. That's right. I find that amazing, especially with me. (laughs) Well, you know, I've often pondered on that 1 Corinthians 13 that you mentioned. It says, you know, now we see through a glass darkly, but in heaven we will know as we are known. All right, how are we known right now? Well, the Lord knows us thoroughly, thoroughly. Um, Now, God knows us, and we think, okay, good. He understands what I'm going through, and he can bless me accordingly. But let's humble ourselves before God because he also knows our depravity. And uh, Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful and wicked above all things. Who can know it? And four times the prophet Jeremiah says, God tries the reins of the heart Mm. in the old King James. In other words, he examines our ways. Now, what we can do is we can say, Lord, uh, forgive me, Lord, make my ways pleasing in your sight. Ecclesiastes 2.26 talks about a man's ways should be pleasing in the sight of the Lord. But um, as we get into this reality of how we are known, yes, it is a comfort. It is. But it's also, um, I think, an admonition that we need to humbly say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Dear God, please have mercy. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Uh, the John Piper quote, uh, John Piper uh, Preacher, I'm sure many people have heard on the radio, but he said, uh, the bad news is you're a whole lot worse sinner than you think you are. That's right. <laughs> Good news is God's a whole lot bigger Savior than you think he is. Amen. Amen. And that's who God is. And here's here's another part of that I want you to know. He chooses to know us. Right. It's mm. not just because he's omniscient, okay? he With one of his attributes of omniscience, and him knowing everything, of course he knows me. Just by definition. By definition. But the thrust of what we're talking about, he chooses to know me. Now, that blows my mind, guys. Let's just be honest. We've come across some people that we didn't care to know, and then after we got to know them a little bit, we didn't care to know much about them after that. God chooses to know us while we were still sinners mm. away from God, you know, quote, so far away from God that we sure couldn't call upon him, but he chases us. You know, we've talked about it, the hound of heaven. Mm-hmm. He chooses to know us. And that blows my mind that he would want to know me intimately. And and he wants me to know him. He reveals himself to us. Now, he do, we don't have to reveal ourselves to him. He knows us already. But he reveals himself to us as we 
know him Amen. more. Now, and, that, and the gr- wisest thing we can ever do is flee to Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I don't mean to take us on a rabbit trail, but, you know, God knows us. And like you say, he chooses to know us. Um, I've got to tell a farm story. And surely I can't be the only one who can relate to this. Somebody out there, now back me up, listeners, somebody out there like myself has put a riding mower in a pond. <laughs> I've put one in a ditch. Is that close ditch, enough? <laughs> close enough. Now, surely somebody out there has put either a tractor or a riding mower in a pond. So some of you will know what a Cub Cadet is. And I was 15, 16. I loved to mow the yard. To this day, I love to mow grass. I just really do. But anyway, I got too close to the edge, and one wheel went down into the pond. We had a little fish pond. So I throw it in reverse, but it slid around, and I got two wheels in the pond. <laughs> and, uh, but I, and a little voice in the back of my 16-year-old mind was saying, go get your dad. Go get dad. And I was like, nope, I'm not. Maybe it was fear. Maybe it was pride. Well, by the time... The seat and steering wheel was about to go under. <laughs> and and uh, by the way, folks, just don't mow too close to the water. That's right. But I well, ran. That's why they made weed whackers. Exactly. I ran to the chicken house. He wasn't there. I ran to the tool shed. He wasn't there. I'm frantic now because I'm thinking, okay. Uh, and I finally, I said, come, come, come. And he said, what? And I said, the mower's in the pond. Anyway, we got the tractor, pulled it out, cleaned the carburetor, got it. He said, why didn't you call me sooner? Mm-hmm. And I think about, let me just say this, turn to Jesus before you've <laughs> sunk, before you're underwater, turn to Jesus. Amen. Why didn't we call him sooner? Yeah, that that is a very <laughs> factual story. I, uh, be I it, can picture it. It's, it's called a word picture. That that's one, right. That one rates number one. <laughs> we we had a sprinkler system in the yard, and so while I have put it in a ditch, I've also put one axle deep next to the sprinkler head that had broken, and it was just so. Uh, however, I did have the truck. I went and got the truck, pulled it out, all that done. I agree with you. Stop. The other thing that we can do sometimes is just simply Stop. You know, we come up to a railroad track and we see the crossing guards down and we hear the bells going and we see the lights going on and off and we may even hear the train horn. But somewhere in our head is the thought, I think I can beat that. (laughs) And that's why they put the restraints down to make us stop before it's too late. So I agree, Alex, it's best to Sometimes simply wait before it's too late. I heard that two of the most important words you can learn as a follower of Christ is woe and go. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that <laughs> and was, not to confuse them. Not to confuse them. That was told by, uh, you know, Cowboy Church pastor. Oh, yeah. He's also a rancher. And he was saying, the first thing you teach your children when they're raised on a ranch is when to woe and when to, to go. go. And said, if there's a big old bull coming around the the corner of the barn and your child's running out there and going to hit, they're going to collide, you say, whoa, that means you stop immediately. And the same thing goes with go. Those are two good words, whoa and go. Well, you know, like when I ran to get my dad, hey, turning to the Lord, don't make it your last resort. Make it your first response. Amen. Amen. Um. Fellas, uh, as we're talking about, we are known today 
and you are known. We know that. This song by Mark Hall was written and released in 2004. That's been a minute. I remember playing it one of the first times it was played on AFR. That's been a minute. So the but the song is still timeless. It's it's still one of the favorite songs that that Mark Hall has done. It says, "Who am I that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt? Who am I that the bright and morning star would choose to light the way?" For my ever-wandering heart, not because of who I am, but because of what you've done, talking to, talking about God, not because of what I've done, but because of who you are. <clears throat> it is the nature of God that he seeks us. It is the nature of God that he provides a bridge to us that we can see the restoration to him. It goes back as far as the Garden of Eden, when man and woman had fallen, when they had sinned, and God came in the evening, in the cool of the evening, and said, Adam, where are you? You know, where are you? It's not that God didn't know where Adam was. It's not that God couldn't have said, hey, over behind that tree, Adam, come on out. I've got something I need to say to you. God knew where Adam was. God knows where we are. And we're going to talk more about that. You are known. One of the 12 indisputable truths that we're talking about this week on Exploring the Word. paints a beautiful picture of the birth of Christ. We think of Silent Night, Holy Night. We think of the Christmas carols that we hear during this time of the year. And then we think about the reality of that situation. You've just gone from a very frantic moment where Mary didn't know where she was going to have the baby, where Joseph, whose job was to protect her and provide for her, couldn't find a place for her to have the baby. And then, but whenever we hear these songs, we think, oh, that's so sweet. That's so nice. Even our, um, our setups, the nativity sets that we have at home that we, that we put together, you know, everything is just set so. But just before the birth of Christ was a tumultuous time. How about in our lives? the tumultuous time that we have before we come to find the baby in the manger who grew up to die on a cross and rise three days later and then ascend into heaven. All for us, you are known. Mm. It's one of the 12 indisputable truths that we're talking about this week on Exploring the Word. I'm Jim Stanley in with Brother Bert Harper and Dr. Alex McFarland. And guys, want to look at the scripture as we're talking about the theme, the indisputable truth that you are known. I want to look into scripture in Matthew, the 10th chapter, and I'm going to pick up at verse 28. It says, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. 
Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. What is the price of two sparrows, one copper coin? But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Do you see the importance there? You think about the park, parking lot that you may have gone to, the grocery store, or one of the big box stores. What do you see all over the parking lot, hopping around, flying and flitting from place to place? Well, some humans, yes, <laughs> but you see the sparrows, all right? And you think of just how many sparrows you see there, how many sparrows you see in your yard. Now multiply that by all the sparrows in the in the world, and God knows when one of those falls from the sky. Amen. The hairs on our head. Man, even with me going bald and looking like a monk nowadays, it's one of those things that even though the hairs are receding, the hairline's receding, God still knows the number of hairs on Jim Stanley's head and Bert Harper's and Alex McFarland's. You are known. Jim, when I see that and I see those comparisons concerning sparrows and hair, it still gets down to that scripture where it says, are you not more valuable Mm -hmm. than they? We need to know that God knows us and we're valuable Mm -hmm. to him, that God would love us so much that and wants to know us better in him. uh, He wants us to know him that he would do everything possible for us to come to him. Uh, but we are more valuable than they. Uh, I got a feeling we're talking to some people today that uh, as Christmas is approaching, and they're dreading it because it's going to be their first Christmas without a spouse, their first Christmas without a parent, the first Christmas without a child, or it may be the second or fourth, whatever, you know, and it's a difficult time. I want to tell you, uh, you're known by God, Amen. and and He knows your need. Uh, he knows what you stand in need of before you even ask, but He still wants us to ask. So because we're known, I, I believe we need to make our requests known to Him. Like these sparrows and the hairs on our head, they're numbered. He does know that. He knows who we are, mm-hmm. and He cares for them. So if He cares for them— how much more does he care for you? Mm-hmm. Uh, again, it goes back to John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, how do you measure so? How do you measure the love of God? How do you measure the idea what God desires to be known by you? And He knows you. It, it's so much that it's 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 hardly being able to compare what He desires for us and turn that about what we not for him you remember that scripture says he remains faithful even when we're unfaithful because he cannot betray himself. he cannot betray himself because that's who he is exactly and you know uh we we often think about how the lord is going to undertake for us and he will but um let me say it's not just for our own sakes but god is a god of righteousness god is a god of holiness and justness and uh, it, the Bible says, in him is no darkness at all. 
One of the reasons God is not going to abandon you is because he will not betray his word and he will not betray his own holy, perfect nature. God, we can depend on the Lord, and we can know that he does know us. He understands. You know, you and I, Bert, have two or three times done Deuteronomy 2, 1 through 8, where it says, the Lord knows you're walking through this great wilderness. He knows where you are in your journey. Thou hast lacked nothing. See, he's not going to abandon us or forget us because he's not going to change his own nature. And it is God's nature to do right. It is God's nature to keep his word, his promises. He is the God who keepeth covenant. Now, we might bail out on our side of the Mm. promise, but the good Lord will never abandon the promises he has made to us. And you see that demonstrated all through Scripture when God at strategic times comes to his people because he knows their need. Uh, let's you're talking about Deuteronomy. Let's go back before that when they were in Egypt and they were praying, they were calling upon the Lord and God had answered their prayer through a little birth of a boy named Moses mm. and they did not know that their prayers had already been answered. So Moses was taken into Pharaoh's house, stayed there for 40 years. Then he did that, thought, he, I'm going to change things. I'm going to uh, lead these children of Israel, and I'm going to overthrow the Egyptians, and we're going to get out of here. That turned bad. And so he had to go to the desert for 40 years, and then he comes back. 80 years. Okay. 80 years, God knew the children of Israel were in bondage and hurting, and they were calling upon the Lord. God had already initiated what he is going to do in your life today. Since God knows you, he knows your need with all my heart. I am confident that God has initiated that which is needed in your life as a follower of Jesus Christ. He knows my need. He knows my every thought. And so today, as we see the scriptures, do not fear and trust the Lord. Don't, don't fear those who can kill the body but, uh, and, but cannot touch the soul. Mm. We have brothers and sisters all over the world right now that are dying because of their faith in Christ Jesus. They're called martyrs. And these martyrs, when they get to glory, can you imagine the crown that's waiting upon them? But fear rather him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. That's only God. And that fear is you need to get right with him. He knows you. He wants you to know him. And he cares for you. And God has done everything that is needed in order for you to come to him and know him. And he desires that no matter where you are. Uh, as as we talk about it all the time, you may be driving a truck, uh, you may be sitting at a desk, uh, you may be in your kitchen, whatever you are doing, bringing your children home from school, whatever you're doing right now, God knows where you are, God knows what your need is, and he desires for you to know him. That scripture that we started out with, guys, we will be known as we're known Well, God already knows us. Nothing has to be revealed to God, but God is revealing himself to us. And if you're lost without Christ, 
Would you come to Christ right now? Would you ask Jesus, say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm lost. There's nothing that I can offer you that would make me ready for heaven. But because of you, Jesus, dying on the cross, I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. I turn away from my sin, and I turn to you in asking you to be Lord of my life Mm -hmm. now and forever. If you haven't prayed that, I pray that you would. It's not the words. It is the heart. If you remember that scripture, guys, God is not impressed with the words, really. He's impressed with our heart Mm -hmm. of what is really going on. So if you'll pray that and mean it, God will change your direction. He'll change your whole life because he knows you and he wants you to know him. Amen. You know, in Genesis 16, we've cited this many times, but when uh, Sarah threw Hagar out of the house, you know, get out of here, and she goes out into the wilderness, in Genesis 16, 13, Hagar says, the Lord is el Roi, the God who sees me. Now, God sees us, and if we're in a state of rebellion, now that would be a little unsettling, you know. But listen, for those that have come to the Lord and you're his follower, you're his child, I mean, it is the greatest comfort in the world. And, you know, I thank God for great Christian friends. I thank God for a Christian wife and family. I thank God that we live in America and uh, a land of, uh, in general, safety and stability. But you know what? Ultimately, um, the only thing you really, really have in this life is the Lord Jesus. And you say, well, I've got, you know, I'm financially secure. <laughs> that could Today, yeah. Today. You say, well, you know, I've, I'm young. I've got years. I've got my health. Goodness, one day your health could be taken away. Uh, listen, honestly, the only thing we really, really unequivocally have is the Lord Jesus, and that's that's really a comfort. And we thank God for all of the other things in life, relationships, uh, our abilities, our whatever. If you've got a roof over your head, praise God. But really. Right now, begin to gratefully walk and live in that true truth, that unshakable reality that God knows you, God is faithful, and God will be with you and carry you through life and into his presence one day. Amen. You know, we are talking about 12 indisputable truths that we find in the Word of God. And we're using these 12 indisputable truths as a study this in the next couple of weeks, but we're using that uh, because our friends from Tyndall and Dayspring have given us some Bibles uh, that are the hope and inspiration, pardon me, hope and encouragement Bible, and we want to give some of those away, and so we're going to take, and if you will email us to word at AFR.net, word at AFR.net, or if you want to send us a Facebook message, what we're going to do is we're going to take and we're going to draw some names from there. Um, No, we're not casting lots. I guess it's the reverse (laughs) of casting lots. Uh, But what we're just going to do is we're going to take and we want to put some of those in in the hands of folks as we can. And so if you'd send us an email. But I also want to especially make it available to those that are hurting Mm. right now. You know, you may may know someone that's lost a loved one and you want to re-gift the Bible. Man, that'd be great. Look around your house and think of how many Bibles you have. You know, we... um, Man, there's no telling how many Bibles I have between my office and my home and not counting my Bible software. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, are, we are Bible wealthy in America. 
And so it may be one of those things that you don't need this and you want to give it to a friend who's hurting. You may want to give it to someone who has just come to know Christ. What a great way to do that, especially during this time of the year. So we want to help you do that. So again, send us an email to word at AFR.net or you can take and uh, also send us a Facebook message. By the way, each day you'll see a link on our Facebook page that talks about the Bible in much more detail than I will during the program. Um, you guys know that we don't go into a, when we talk about study Bibles, we'll talk about some of the highlights of those. And this one, this one has a journaling aspect to it mm-hmm. where you can take and you can write in your Bible. And it has margins that are provided for that where you can make a prayer request where you make and put down, hey, today I found out because of this, God loves me. And you can make a note of that. And then 20 years from now, you can look back in that Bible and you can see that and you can go, and I, I remember that. I remember when that happened. Do you guys do that? I know you guys write in your Bibles. Do you have those milestones like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. Um, and so this becomes your study Bible that you can use and hopefully that you can also take and give to others. I, I think it's good. i got to say, Jim, I think it's good to write dates and answered prayer. Mm-hmm. And you look back, and sometimes it's an encouragement when you need to be re-reminded, hey, God came through for me. That's right. I remember that, and I prayed, and God, God really helped me out. And let's re-remind ourselves that he is faithful. Amen. Yeah. You know, we're talking about God knowing us. When did he start knowing us? Mm. Listen to Jeremiah. And this will take us through the rest of this segment, probably into the next one, because this is so deep. So I'm setting it up so we won't have to break it, Jim. But listen to what Jeremiah said. It says, this is in Jeremiah 1.5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Mm. Before you were born, I sanctified you and ordained you a prophet to the nations. I, that is beyond my comprehension of completely understanding. I just believe it because God said it. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. God's in his eternal knowledge has that. That was Jeremiah. I just want to ask, I believe that's true with each person, Mm. that he knows us before we were even formed, before we were even conceived, God knew. That's how important you are to God. Let me say this real quickly, and it's also in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 49, the Lord has called me from the womb, from the matrix of my mother. He has made mention of my name. All right, put a pen in those because we are going to come back after the break and that's what we're going to take and kind of explore if you will on exploring the word we'll be back with more of the 12 indisputable truths here on american family radio Family Radio. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, 
glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Think about that. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. Folks, you are known because the favor of God rests on you as one of his children. And just before the break, we were talking about Jeremiah and Isaiah and the great words that they had written down. And guys, I want to get back into that conversation. But we're talking about 12 indisputable truths. We've already talked about you are loved. And we've talked about, and now we're talking about you are known. You know, and so as we think about this, as we walk through this, he really does know us intimately. (laughs) And then... Mm -hmm. And he still loves us? And still loves us. <laughs> Isn't that something? Those two, sometimes, have you noticed some people, the more you know them, the little less? I know. Okay. But there are some people, <laughs> the more, I'm not going to finish that. I, I stopped it before I went that way. So proud of you. I am. But there are some people, the more you know them, the more oh you, you just love them. And God, to know him, the unsearchable riches of God. But this Jeremiah passage, he knows us, and he has a plan. Now, that's exciting. He knows us and has a plan, and he knows us what to do with us. He knows what fits us best, Mm -hmm. and he fits us for that service. So in his knowledge comes compassion and love toward us, Alex. You know, for for most people, if if you're a parent, the the greatest— thing in the world you love is probably your children. And sometimes they uh, please you and sometimes they disappoint you, but you love them. And I mean, nothing can break the unconditional love of a parent. Uh, Or even, this is not a great illustration, but even your your beloved pet. Uh, Now think about this. We're made in God's image. Now we can show love, but God is love. We can be creative, but God is the creator. You know, um, I've, I've got a friend down in Julian, North Carolina, and he is a renowned, uh, he has parts for Dodge Chrysler and Plymouth vintage cars. Uh, about a year ago, I was working on my old 78 Dodge pickup, uh, and I needed motor mounts. Now, this man has a half million car parts. Oh, my God. <laughs> Seriously, he does. Alfred Crutchfield, good Christian brother. I went down there, and I said, hey, you wouldn't happen to have. Guess how long we went through two or three buildings. Guess how long it took him to find rubber motor mounts for a 78 Dodge 318, like three minutes. I mean, I said, how do you keep track of all this stuff? He said, it's my business to know. Mm. (laughs) Well, look, this is not a perfect analogy, but Almighty God knows every molecule molecule of the universe. He knows every sparrow, every follicle of hair. He knows us. He loves us. I think about the parent, and the child obeys, the child disobeys, but the parent would lay down their life because they love that child. That's how God loves us, even though he knows us. And so um, the reason I share that is the Bible says if, if a father knows how to give bread to his son, mm-hmm. how much more does the heavenly father know how to do right? If a judge knows how to adjudicate righteously, this is Luke 18, 1, to the widow, and a fallen sinful judge knows how to do right by somebody, how much more does a holy God know how to do right? And so um, if we are honest with ourselves and we, you know, really pause and think about it, 
Of course God is going to do right by us. He knows us. He's merciful. We can turn to him. We can trust him because God doesn't, not only does he not make mistakes, but God doesn't do wrong. He does right. And that's the Savior in whose hands we live and exist. You know, we were thinking about Jeremiah and Isaiah, about God knowing them before. John the Baptist was in his mother's womb, Elizabeth, and Mary came to see her after Jesus had been conceived by the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus in Mary's womb came through the door, the baby leaped and Elizabeth began to sing. Now, God knew John the Baptist. He knew what he was going to do. He was there. God, knowing that and sharing that and letting Elizabeth experience that for herself, God brought into her knowledge that God had a plan for this child. I I just want you to know God's plan for you is for you to trust him as Lord, as Savior, and then serve him and glorify him forever. That's God's desire for you. And he knows you, and he knows what you need right now. And and so we're praying that God is touching your heart, drawing you unto himself. And if you need help, there's a number you can call, 888-NEED-HIM. 888-NEED-HIM. They're our partners, and and we suggest you calling them. They'll talk with you. They'll help you. And, And that way you will not only know that you're known, but you will experience it. Now, Jim, is there a difference in knowing that God knows you and experiencing that knowledge, you know? Oh, oh yeah, it is. absolutely is. And, you know, as, as we talk about today, you are known. How important is it that God knows us? Because there's another side to that coin. What if he doesn't know us? Mm. Well, in, in you know, in... Um, Matthew seven twenty four. there is going to be a day when some, Christ says, I don't know you. And it just so happens, my brother in the Lord, I have said scripture pulled up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wonderfully. <laughs> but uh, there in 21, it says, now, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On Judgment Day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Guys, how sad. We've talked about how much God has provided, how much God wants to know us. But there really is a fearful day coming when some will hear, depart from me. Because I never knew you. Mm. That well, whole idea is he never knew them at any time. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, he knew about them. He provided for them. Uh, it wasn't that they, you know, okay, I know you for a while, but, man, you did this. I don't know you anymore. Right. The whole idea, I never knew you. Uh, the Bible makes it plain that though we give our bodies to be burned without love, it's just Passing by, nothing to it. It is that relationship that with Christ of Him knowing us. We love Him because 
He first loved us. Also, we can know him because he first knew us. And so God has provided all of that that is ready. You don't want to be in that camp. I never knew you. That that, uh, picture has the idea that this person had position. This person had notoriety. We've cast out demons in your name. We've preached in your name. They had a position, quote, Mm -hmm. outwardly, but inside— what is that scripture about inside? They're dead men's bones. There was no life there. So knowing about God and knowing what he's done for you, yes, I know that he was born of a virgin. Yes, I know that he died and on the cross and he rose the third day. That is different than knowing God. That's the knowledge of about God. We're talking about knowing him in a personal way. Well, you know, there's... there's um Awareness of and acknowledgement of. I mean, God knows everybody, obviously, Mm -hmm. because by being omniscient, you know, he knows everything. And everybody knows of God. You know, the Bible says in Romans 1 and 2, everybody knows. I promise you, even the most vocal atheist at 3 in the morning when they're laying awake in bed, they know about God and they know they're not living right because I've had a few admit that to me. But the question is not, does God... Is God aware of your existence? Obviously, he is. But the Bible says if we acknowledge him, he will acknowledge us. Mm -hmm. Jesus says, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father. So in the Matthew 7, 24, where he says, I never knew you, it doesn't mean that um, something escaped the awareness of the omniscient one. No, he knows. But if you will acknowledge Christ, you need to acknowledge him in your heart and believe on him, then live for him and acknowledge him before men. And so it's one thing, and maybe somebody listening needs to go from awareness to acknowledgement to relationship. You're aware of God, and it's not enough to say, I acknowledge that God must exist. James 2 verse 19 said, the devil believes and yet trembles. But so, I mean, if you ask Satan, are you aware Christ was born of a virgin? Are you aware Jesus rose from the dead? Are you aware Jesus is victoriously coming back? Even Satan could say, yes, I'm aware of that. But there's acknowledgement in terms of saying, Lord, I humble myself. Please forgive my sins. Save my soul. Make me your child. And so um, God knows you, but maybe today is the day that you're going to move from mental awareness to personal relationship. How, do, how, do, how does one make that transition? Because we know a lot of things, and we may think that we know who Christ is. We may think that we've come to a saving knowledge of Christ. We might be a pastor in a church. It goes back to what Bert said about positionally. We may be preaching the Word of God and it be anointed. Is that possible? You bet, because mm-hmm. it's God's word. I we've seen donkeys preach, <laughs> you know, and and sometimes and I'll leave that alone. But I mean, how do we go to that though, Alex? How do we move from that? And, and we talk about it often from being just a brain knowledge mm-hmm. to a heart knowledge. But how do we get there? How do we overcome ourselves sometimes? Well, you know, the the way to get saved is simply to ask. And I, I know this sounds. Like almost, it's too simple. And in our human state, you know, we think, well, it can't be that easy. Honestly, it is. Because, look, 
all of the guilt was paid for by Jesus on the cross. The appropriate measure of God's wrath that human sin deserved was poured onto Jesus. Literally, the wording really means the fury, the the punishment. Mm -hmm. Jesus endured that pain and died on the cross. And honestly, it is this easy if you will simply say, Dear Jesus, I need you in my life. And Lord, I, I admit that I'm a sinner. And, you know, part of repentance is agreeing with God about his assessment of your condition. When you say, Lord, I admit I'm a sinner. No more games. No more rationalizing. No more running. Lord, I admit it. <laughs> I'm a mess, Lord, and I need you. That, now, God says you're a mess, but he loves you. He loves you, and he wants to make you a saint and bless you. And, oh, my goodness, there's a, there's a song called 10,000 Joys, and it is. But so, um, ABC, admit, believe, call. Admit you're a sinner. Believe the Son of God loves you because he does. And then you simply ask. Romans 10.13 is one of many verses we could cite. And, again, the Word of God nor the Son of God can lie. So Romans 10.13 says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let me add to that. How does a person come to that point? Listen to this passage in James chapter 4, verse 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of God, and he will lift you up. Humility is understanding who you are, understanding who God is, mm-hmm. and that we, we are under him, we uh, are needy. We're people that cannot elevate ourselves to the position of heaven. Mm-hmm. There is no way. There's not enough good works. There's not enough money. Uh, there's not enough titles. There's not enough degrees. You know, to get into heaven, you got to admit how bad you are. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the whole idea. And this, listen to chapter six, 4, verse 6 of James. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Pride has an attitude. Do you remember that scripture that we read early? Have we not cast out demons in your name? That's pride. Right. Look what I've done. Mm-hmm. You, I've preached this sermon. I healed this person. I've gone this. That is pride. What does God do? He not only doesn't recognize it, the word resist means he pushes it away. Yeah. But grace the humble, when you humble yourself before God, honestly, evaluate yourself of who you are, knowing that God has made us and we're not our own, it puts us in a position to receive him. Mm-hmm. Unless you humble yourself, you're not even in the position to ask Christ into your life. You'll always remain one up and say, you know, I'm proud. I can mm. make it. Yeah. So humble yourself. Become obedient to him. Well, and none of our accomplishments, quote-unquote, account for anything. Look, you've achieved things. You've earned money. You've gone places. That's fine. But that cannot set you right before a holy God. Um, You know, Paul says anything we have, we received or were given by God. Even, look, your abilities and anything, it's fine you've accomplished it, but that cannot make you right with God, only a relationship with Jesus, which you can have beginning today if you'll turn to him in faith. Today's the day of salvation. Amen. Folks, you are loved. You are not alone. You are known. Those are three of the 12 indisputable truths that we've covered, and we'll cover more tomorrow here 
on Exploring the Word.